Yeah. I'm sitting down. I'm in awe of how short your torso is. <laughs> I like didn't believe you. I'm like, she can't be that short in torso. Yeah. See? Here lies Ashley Ellis, short in torso. Wait, hold on. Literally the size of my thumbs. Wait, are you below your hips? Yes. I'm like touching my hips. Yeah. Wow. I am short. You are. But also, same height as Dio. <laughs> oh, Dio. <laughs> Good to know, huh? Mm. Also, same height as Glenn Danzig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Triplets. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Where one of us is short, one of us is tall. Yes. One of us is as short as Dio and Glenn Danzig. <laughs> exactly. And one of us is as tall as, I don't know, other people. <laughs> Normal people. Eh, I'm a little tall for a chick. I guess. I don't know. I've known plenty. No, I am. I I've know, known plenty I of chicks your height and taller. You know those pants I'm wearing right now? They're supposed to be pants, not capris. <laughs> like, they are supposed to go to an ankle, not the bottom of someone's calf. And when I put on capris, they are pants. You know what? The, the, the industry is just fucking us over. Yeah. Yeah. Just you and me. We're normal. It's the industry that's wrong. I mean... I don't know what industry we're talking about, but they're um, all wrong. The entire industry. All of them. And and I'm going to try really hard not to rage against it the entire episode tonight. <laughs> rage against the industry. Rage against the industry. <laughs> it's just a really bad Rage Against the Machine cover band. Uh, uh, yes, we're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And tonight we have, I would say, and I'm saying this, this isn't even a hot take. I think this is real. I think this is our most important episode. If there's an episode that I want every person to ever listen to on our it's show, this one. it's going to be this one. Um, also, probably somebody you've never heard of, and that is a grave disservice to music, period. Or, like, you've heard of her, but you don't You don't know, know it's her. her. Yeah. You don't know her. Yeah. And, like, it's a goddamn shame. Yeah. Like, but no, no, I'm not going to start off. <laughs> Angie. I'm really trying to be calm and composed because mm-hmm. I think this is a very lovely, amazing, worthwhile story that is very important for people to hear. So I'm going to get angry. Maybe. I'm going to try really hard to just like tell the story. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of flames on the side of my face. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it is an overall flame com- like, like encompassing, encompassing my body. Yeah. Because, and I'll get to it at the end, uh-huh. but like just the whole thing, the whole thing is a fucking injustice. Yeah, I believe this. And I don't even know this woman's story. Again, I know, I know who she is. Yes. And uh, she's great. She's great. But yeah. um, I don't know her story, but I can assume because of who she is and the time period, she gonna get fucked over, like over and over and over. You know what? Just sit, I'll, I'll sit wait. in your chair. I'll wait. Sit in your nice new chair. Get cozy. Mm-hmm. Just oh, yeah. This is a new office chair, isn't it? it? Is. It's, it's, well, you know, it's a second hand. Thanks, Lily, if you ever listen to this episode. <laughs> um, but yes, it is. Uh, it's quite comfy. Tonight we are talking about Sister Rosetta Tharp, yeah. a icon of icons. Should be. Yes. She better be. She's going to be. Mm. She is to me. But that's not even that important because huh. I'm an asshole. <laughs> My opinion means nothing, except listen to me, because this is an important episode. 
Yes. Um, and just to not beat around the bush, tonight we're drinking beer like we do every week. No shit. <laughs> I know. So this week I grabbed Black Rock Stout from Crossroads Brewing, downstate New York. Mm-hmm. An old standby, really good place. Highly suggest it. They are in Athens, correct? Athens, New York. Yes, yes they are. Thought so. And I saw the words Black Rock and I'm like, well, Sister Rosetta Tharp is an amazing black woman, and she created rock and roll. So, yeah. Black Rock Stout. Yeah. And also, this is very good. Oh, yeah. This is like just a lovely, perfect, I would dare say, perfect stout. It's like exactly what you want from a stout. It's got like the heft mm-hmm. of a nice, dark stout. Yeah. It ain't thin like some of them other bitches that try right? to be stouts. You don't feel like, oh, I wish there was more in it. Like, it's exactly as thick as it needs to be, but it's not bitter. Yeah. They have like, it's, there's just like a nice smooth aftertaste. Highly suggest it. But after I picked it up, I read the side and I was like, oh, so funny enough, they created this beer for another marginalized section of society. Mm-hmm. Black Rock Stout was named for the Native American encampment located on the banks of the Hudson River in Athens, New York. This award-winning foreign-style stout combines roasted barley and chocolate malt for a smooth coffee flavor and rich full body. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said all this on the side. <laughs> Everything I just said, I must have read it earlier. Full body. There we go. I mean, it is full body. It's thick. They have the words that we can't think I like of. thick better. Thick stout. Like, it's definitely a 2C thick oh, stout. Yeah. I love it. It's, mm, it's real good. I would highly suggest to pick that up if you ever run into it. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Okay. Thank you all for holding and waiting. Let me tell you the story. Sister Rosetta Tharp is known by many as the godmother of rock and roll, which frankly, I think is insulting. This woman is the mother of rock and roll. The end all be all of rock and roll. Correct. All who have come after are direct descendants of her musical stylings. Mm -hmm. To say someone's a godmother is to say, oh, well, like they were around a bunch and but they like, influenced a lot of people that ended up becoming the nah. mothers and fathers of rock and roll. No. no. Her DNA is in rock music today, children. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. In a world where Elvis documentaries and biopics... Or is it biopic? It's biopic. Do we have to have this conversation every time? Yes. (laughs) These are a dime a dozen. Sister Rosetta Tharp still seems to take a backseat to the collective musical zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. with many not even realizing that she, like, Fucking existed. Yes. If she didn't exist, neither would rock and roll, at least how we know it today. Yeah. And her story is more inspiring than any of the other ones that we've told thus far, I think. Mm. This woman had to deal with all sorts of trials and tribulations from her color to religion to sexuality and anything in between. She saw it all and faced every challenge head on, intending to walk away triumphant every time. Now, let's start this queen story at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Let's jump back in the way, way back machine to 1915. Katie Bell Newbin and Will Atkins were cotton pickers in the town of Cotton Plant, Arkansas. Creative. Mm. A common profession for people of color down south. They were surrounded by sounds of the neighboring Mississippi and their collective love for God and music. Were they sharecroppers or did they work for somebody else? They worked for somebody else. Okay. 
On March 20th that year, Katie gave birth to their only daughter, Rosetta Newbin. They would raise her with the same passion for church and song that they had. Katie was a very dedicated member of the Church of God in Christ. She would spend entire days sitting in front of her home with her mandolin, singing the praises of Jesus and trying to convert anyone walking by to go to church. That's kind of cute. Right? She's like, hey, everybody, I love God. Go to church now. Thanks. I, it makes me wonder how she got on the mandolin. Yeah. Of, like, of all instruments. Yeah. You know what? I did not do a ton of due diligence for Katie, but. That's fine. I just homegirl. like the idea that she played mandolin. Yeah. She played mandolin. Um, Also was a great singer. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosetta's dad was an even better singer. Just like Ooh. they both had voices that could just move people. I'm so jealous of people like that. I can just sing. And you're like, fuck you. I have to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing. Damn it. Boo. Not much is known of Willis, but like I just said, he had a voice that everyone couldn't help but stop and listen to. With this winning combo, Rosetta probably had little choice but to become a musician herself. Mm, she had great teachers. She really did. It's in her DNA. The Church of God in Christ, or as I call it, Kogic? Kogic? Church of God in Christ, Kogic? Well, that's what I'm calling it for the rest of the fucking night. It sounds like a disease. Well, it's a Pentecostal like church. Early night. That is a disease, honestly. No, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to malign anyone who's religious. <laughs> Religion's fine. You do you. Just don't hurt nobody. So it was a Pentecostal church that heavily encourages rhythmic and musical expression, all for the love of Christ. So for what it's worth, they had a damn fun time. I mean, that's one thing you got to say about that kind of religion yeah as they were just they, all about singing and dancing for jesus i mean that was your entertainment it was. every week when you know you live life a real hard life as a yes, cotton picker this was your fun this yes. was your exciting saturday night it was your entire day spent in sunday church they bring out the snakes i mean I don't think they talked to snakes. Bring out the snakes. I feel like only the white Pentecostals <laughs> talk to snakes. No, I'm being sincere. I think only white Pentecostals. You know what? I don't know. Because they were fucking weird. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But also, like, what point do, like, the people in the Church of God in Christ have with talking to snakes? They are way too busy dancing. Yeah, I'd rather dance than talk to snakes or Seriously. pretend I talk to snakes. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work to right. pretend to do that because it's pretending you're not actually talking what? to snakes. No. Snakes are cool. I love fucking snakes, but like, I'm not talking <laughs> to them. You love fucking snakes? I fucking love snakes. I love fucking snakes. I bet. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlike most sects of Christianity, they wanted to use joy and excitement to celebrate, as opposed to the doom and inadequate repentance of other churches. No way. Catholic church. What? No, what? Uh, what? Katie didn't hesitate to put her daughter on a similar path. At age four, she put a guitar in Rosetta's hands and showed her the basics of how to sing and play. That's awesome. Four. Four years old. Four years old, I could barely play with my fucking smurfs. That guitar smurfs. is bigger than her. I know. And four Look years how cute old. that is, too, though. <laughs> this little girl took to it with little issues, showing her parents' genes were strong in her bones. At the age of six, Rosetta and Katie left Willis and Arkansas behind to join other evangelical singers and preachers to more urban areas up north, where they could have better opportunities for jobs and more people to follow in the ways of the Lord with. So... Did she divorce Willis? I, I, I don't, no idea. 
I, I mean, okay. did, divor- did divorce even like exist? I don't even think they were married. Oh, I mean, that's very possible. Yeah. I really don't know what the laws were in Arkansas back then. It was it was wild, wild south back then. <laughs> wild, wild bullshit back then? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the government wouldn't even acknowledge their marriage as a legal binding thing, so does it matter? I mean, even if they did, they didn't record it, so. They planted themselves in Chicago, where Rosetta became an attraction all by herself. This move to such a high-traffic hub of America exposed her to a rich well of musicians. From the Delta Blues to country to New Orleans jazz, this would influence her sound going forward, where she, she would create music that no one had ever heard before. Mm-hmm. Before the age of 10, Rosetta was leading entire congregations with her performances, usually off starting off singing on stage with her guitar. And if it got rowdy enough... She would run over to the piano and accompany herself singing just with some basic chords. <laughs> picturing a 10-year-old doing this, like just acting like Little Richard, basically. Yes! 100%. <laughs> yeah. She loved it. She that's just, adorable. She fed right into like that. I don't even like kids, and that's adorable. Seriously. You'd be like, I like that kid. But this kid, though. This kid. This kid gets it. We're going to keep this kid around. That kid's all right. <laughs> Then she would toss in some dance moves, you know, just for good measure. My God. (laughs) She was not only providing the music, but also the entertainment. She was vibing with the audience to create the show, which at that point really wasn't done before. Yeah. Really, this style of performing came from gospel churches. Mm Mm-hmm. Because before that, people just kind of stood on stage and did whatever. Well, that's what Little Richard did. Probably what Chuck Berry did, too. Mm-hmm. They probably all learned this from going to church. Oh, just you wait. Oh. Oh, just you wait, honey. Oh, excuse me. Just you wait. As she was growing into a young woman, Rosetta truly formed herself as a performer. She and her mother would travel across the country to revivals and gospel concerts The girl had the whole package and would win the crowds over easily with her amazing music talents, good looks, and sweet and kind persona. Hmm. She became a national sensation among the religious types. Well, shit. Yeah. Like, I just just need to stop. I need to stop for one minute. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I got to push this point of how amazing this is. A black woman in the 1920s receiving notoriety across the entire U.S., for her music. Like North, South, Midwest, Irwhere. West Coast. Irwhere. Wow. This was during the time of Jim Crow, and Rosette was playing guitar in a way that no one had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't even allowed to perform at most venues, but she, she was, was a black woman. But she was a national touring act. In religion, or in like... In the religious in circuit. In the religious circus, but still? It's kind of like how like Billie Holiday was invited to perform at all of these uh really upper class clubs in New York City but wasn't actually allowed to go sit and drink or eat at them. Oh don't worry, this is a total thing. That's that's a total thing. Yeah, it's not just the South guys. It's everywhere. It was everywhere. It was even and it in was, New York City. And it's every black woman ever. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Don't worry, that similar theme's gonna play in this one. Great. Yeah. It's like, you know, we see the same thing over and over again, at least when it comes to black people and women and especially black women. No fucking way. Yeah, I know this might sound really wild to (laughs) comprehend, but 
But here's the thing, too. If she had just stopped at gospel, that would still be really impressive. Mm -hmm. But no, she's going to do a lot more. Good. It was all in her presence. The gospel hymns are fairly sad songs if you really sit down and look at them. But she transformed them with her sense of freedom and love. When she performed, she didn't just look at the audience. She would look up. And many felt as if she was in direct communication with God himself. She instilled a sense of power and joy within these congregations. These were feelings that they, these were new to them. They weren't understanding that they had willpower or free will and just were able to find happiness. Mm. And, you know, Rosetta would go up there, she would perform, she would be singing to God and having the time of her life. And people are like, yup, that's what I want. I want this. Yep. She's wholesome. She's loving and adorable. Yeah. You want that. Yeah. In 1934, at the age of 19, Katie thought it would be a good idea for her daughter to marry. However, mm. not just marry anybody. But oh, a, no. Yeah. She was going to marry a Kagic preacher named Thomas Thorpe. And it was a perfect arrangement because Rosetta oh. would draw in the crowds with her music and then Thomas would deliver his sermons. Was he significantly older than her? N- he was older. She was 19. And he was in his mid, somewhere between 25 and 30. It's not great, but it's not like he was 50. Okay. It could have been worse, I yeah, guess. I, you know what? It That's where I'm going with this. It could have been, been, been worse. It could have been. been way worse. Yeah. <laughs> but also, she doesn't need to get married. It's the 1920s. I'm but not saying that makes it okay. Needs, I guess she needs to get married. She needs to get married. When I say, though, it was a perfect arrangement, clearly it was a perfect business arrangement. Friends of Rosetta would go on to say that while she was relieved to be married, because, like, again, it was the 20s and she was almost 20. And I think back then you're like, I'm getting old. I need to get married. <laughs> but, like, she wasn't. I've had my period for, like, two years now. Oh, my God. And I'm still I'm not an old child. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't necessarily happy with the marriage itself. I think she was just happy. Like, and especially at her age, when you're, you know, 19, the concept of being married is so alluring. Yeah. Because you're like, oh. Because that's what everybody else is doing. Exactly. And that's especially back then, like, but I your guess, goal. But I guess if you're not in love with the person you married and you don't really want anything to do with them, I guess being able to view it as a good business relationship is better than nothing yeah at least she wasn't at home like barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen making dinner and like on the verge of suicide yeah right i guess i mean honestly it was not like the coolest marriage but it wasn't the worst (laughs) it wasn't the coolest marriage (laughs) oh it wasn't But at least they got something out of it. If not love, then like a good business partnership. Yeah, It it worked that way, I guess. Probably more for Thomas than Rosetta. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, Who's really, who's really carrying who here? Who's benefiting from this the most? Gonna say Thomas. Well, you know, you should have known this was going to be some bullshit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thomas came from a patriarchal background. Oh, no way. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh. That believed wife is subservient to husband. And not only did this dude expect full compliance from his wife, 
but he also used her as a meal ticket. Oh, great. Sounds like a stand-up stand-up dude. Yeah. With love her, him already. With her by his side, his congregation grew exponentially, only helping him make more money. Oh, the church making money? No. I know. The some of the documentaries that I saw did have interviews with either like people who knew because they were from like um, PBS had a special from like 2011 or 2013, mm-hmm. an American Masters episode mm-hmm. on her. And they, they did have friends of Rosetta's from back then. Mm-hmm. And they were actually commenting on it like hey, that Thomas <laughs> wasn't a great guy. <laughs> also, American Masters is a fantastic show. Sincerely. They have amazing topics of on people and events and things that you should really know about that a lot of people don't know about. And so. they do it in a very like thorough factual way. And they usually talk to like primary sources yeah. and like people that actually knew the people that they were talking about or were related to them or had some direct connection to them. Yep. So like really good source. Mm. If you're looking to do something like we're doing <laughs> in case you think we don't do our research or whatever. But anyway, Continue. Hey, support your local PBS. Yeah. Do they, that. they get by on viewers like you. <laughs> it would be a mere four years before Rosetta had enough and she would leave Thomas in the dust. Oh, sick. Yeah. Awesome. This girl, fire. Trailblazer. Fire. Love her. She didn't care how it looked in the eyes of God. This marriage wasn't right, so she took her mother with her and left. Yes! The only thing yes, she... Yes, queen! Okay. <laughs> She's like, come on, mom, we're going. She's like, all right. Fuck this guy, we're going. And I don't love it, it's weird. But God's telling go. me I gotta go. I mean, honestly, actually, her mom did the same thing. Yeah. I don't know if like her and if Katie and Willis had a bad relationship, but like Katie's like, I'm going to go because like, like I got better things to do. I see this really great opportunity because our child is a fucking phenomenon. So, yeah, so I'm going to go. Got to go. I This you know, like kind thing. You can stay here and do that. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm a head out. I I'm a head out. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> The only thing that Rosetta would take with her from her ex-husband would be her last name, which she would use to then create her stage name, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Mm-hmm. She took the O, changed it to an A, and now she's Sister Rosetta Tharp. Oh. Mm-hmm. Way to distance yourself, but still keep it legal. I mean, honestly, looks good. Yeah. Looks good on you, girl. Independence looks good on you, girl. <laughs> Fuck you, looks good on you. <laughs> Does. She and her mother went to New York City. Ooh. Yep. Where the nightlife and club scene was already a draw, giving her the opportunity to perform for wider audiences. Mm. It didn't happen overnight. Initially, Rosetta was unsure of her decision, and she actually spent some time trying to gain her footing in the scene and had a lot of nights where she was wondering what she was supposed to be doing with herself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she is a badass. She's a bamf, but she also had her times of doubt and, you know, insecurities. As everyone does. Yeah. Thankfully, a talent such as hers doesn't go unnoticed for too long. Yeah. Soon, 1938 would turn into a life-changing year. Rosetta landed a spot performing regularly at the Cotton Club, mm. which now that I say that out loud, that's kind of like an ironic kind yeah. of circle of events. Kind of. Because her parents were from Cotton Farms. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why they called it the Cotton Club. Whatever. I used to know, and now I can't remember. Yeah, there was. There's a lot of knowledge. There in is a reason. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yes, for those who don't know, the Cotton Club was an upscale venue for mostly upper class white people to enjoy some sweet tunes. I do believe Billie Holiday played there on a very regular basis and was one of those places where she was not allowed to like go to the bar and enjoy a drink and things like that. Neither was Rosetta. Because racism... So she performed with the Lucky Millinder Jazz Orchestra, and it was here she started to step out of gospel music just a little bit. They were giving her songs like Tall Skinny Papa, which was not about chilling with Jesus. (laughs) Uh, I know you might think think, like Tall Skinny Papa. That sounds like Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. You know what? It's Jesus now. I ain't going to call him Jesus no more. It's Tall Skinny skinny Papa. Merry Tall Skinny Papa Day. It's Christmas. Oh, oh, I like that, though. Yeah. I kind of just want to, like, hang up a picture of a very skinny, yeah. tall Jesus now. Happy tall, skinny Papa Zombie Day. That's oh, Easter. That's for Easter. That's Easter. There you go. All right. Let's do it. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Tall, skinny Papa. And while nightclub audiences couldn't get enough of her performances, the gospel community felt a huge betrayal at of what was happening. Of course they did. And I think this was actually kind of interesting to learn about. I feel like it might have been kind of the earliest instance of someone being accused of selling out. You need to really think about it, right? Because she had been doing nothing but gospel music. Then she does a couple secular songs and the gospel community is like, fuck this. Are you serious? She's just trying to cross over and they're just like, no, you got to be respectful of gospel music. Yeah. And like, I get that. But like, even Taylor Swift could go over to the pop charts. So why can't Sister Rosetta Tharp go over to the rock charts? Because it that was did the not 30s. exist at the time. Because <laughs> it was the 30s and she was a black woman. Exactly. I'm sorry. There is a big difference here. <laughs> I'm not going to equate Sister Rosetta Tharp with not Taylor at all. Swift. I apologize for doing that. It's okay. I shouldn't have done that. Go, go say, go, go do your 10 Hail Dios and come back. <laughs> for what it's worth, like they felt as if they had something truly special with Rosetta. So when she crossed over into secular songs, they thought that they would never have that special thing back again. They thought they lost Rosetta to the secularism. I get that, but that's just her audience being selfish. Oh, no, 100%. I'm, yeah. like, not defending it. Like, I'm just saying, like, I understand where they're coming from. It's like, it's almost like anybody who calls their favorite band a sellout is them being selfish it instead is. of the band actually selling out. You can look at a band and be like, you're doing something I'm not crazy about, but I respect that you are being an artist and trying to branch out as a human. But a lot of people will not be that objective. Yeah, most people aren't. They haven't been in the past and they're not going to be now. Yeah. Yeah. But ye of little faith, Rosetta had no intentions of departing from the church. Yeah. What she did was realize this crazy concept that you can love God and nightclubs. No fucking way. I know. Holy shit. Again, it's the 30s. She's a black woman. You know, boxes. The boxes were even smaller back then. Yeah. She would continue to sing in churches and celebrate with her fellow gospel folk. But she also had every intention of going forward into mainstream music biz. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she's like, she saw a fucking path for herself there. And she liked that path. She apparently liked rock music. So She like, definitely liked rock music. Yeah. Yes. So like, yeah, she's going to be influenced by that and want to do it herself. Exactly. Well, 
rock music didn't exist yet. True. She liked what she was doing. She liked being a trailblazer. Yeah, she fucking did. It was freeing to her to know that she could do both. It boosted her confidence as a performer and gave her more opportunities to expand her fan base and also experiment with other musical genres. This helped her to become multidimensional. This helped her to become like a like a fully realized musician. Mm-hmm. And though Katie was not too happy to see her daughter straying away from the music that helped mold her, she still stayed by her side and supported Rosetta as she stepped into this new phase. I don't bring it up enough, but like Katie is with Rosetta every fucking step of the way. She's like an OG stage mom, she but is, like but a in a good way. Yeah, I was gonna say like she's a supportive one who's not yeah. gonna like be a toxic jerk. She's not exploiting her child. She's not just at all. supporting her child, which is what stage moms should do. Yeah. But unfortunately a lot of them don't. No. Yeah. Katie is like the OG stage mom who did it right and then everyone else saw that and they tried to do it and they fucked it up. <laughs> That's what ha- happened. So soon she becomes a sought-after musician, getting offers from all the big labels. She would end up at Decca Records, who were keen to showcase this Ooh. gospel music artist who was crossing over into the mainstream. Okay. Like, they could, for what it's worth, and yeah, they saw it as a money grab, but they're like, that. Do you see that star over there and how it's getting brighter and brighter? Gotta take that. That's ours now. Decca saw a lot of pretty bright stars they did in their time and really helped develop them and eventually most of those stars would move on to somewhere else right but Decca was pretty fucking that was a big deal yeah and i mean and then they become universal music which is still pretty pretty you know iconic yeah they got a lot of peeps i don't know who they have right now because i'm not gonna look it up but yeah I mean, that sounds like a big labels now just (laughs) big labels now just don't really matter but yeah you know, for a long time, Universal Records was a big deal. Yeah. And so was Decca. Mm. At the age of 23, Rosetta recorded her music for the first time. Four of her more gospel-toned songs, and one of them that really showcased her versatility in both skill and genre bending, is called Rock Me. Mm. This became a really controversial song. Because, like, if the lyrics talk about being moved by the love of Jesus and God... But some people listened to it and heard beyond the lyrics and noticed the tone Rosetta had. Like, especially during the chorus when she's singing, rock me. And they're like, she's getting very emotional right now. And there was thought to be a little bit more than singing to Jesus, but maybe some uh, innuendo of being rocked. Well, maybe there was. Maybe there was. But maybe there wasn't. There are um, historians who think, she was just a rebellious young woman who liked to fuck around with people, too. <laughs> they did not say fuck around. I'm saying fuck around. But yeah, like she could have also just been doing it to like kind of get a rise out of people because that's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. And at 23, what else are you going to do? Right. Or she could homegirl could be feeling her oats. So I'm, you know what? Who cares? Also, it is funny, too, because I was thinking about it like back then that was like their WAP. Yeah, the way she would sing, True. Rock me. and they're like <gasps> clutching their pearls. She may as well have been saying wet ass pussy. Yeah, <laughs> they should have been. I mean, like honestly, can you imagine if she was saying wet ass pussy? The wet ass pussy, <laughs> and like everyone's like, what? You mean your I'm, cat? Did you get your cat wet? Did you give your cat a bath? I don't understand. Yeah, and she's is your, like, is your yes. donkey? Are your donkey and your cat getting baths right now? Let's go. <laughs> wet. Ass, ass pussy. pussy. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Just a cat on a donkey getting sprayed by a hose. Yeah. That's what that song's about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's that. Cool. Nothing <laughs> untoward here. Nope. Everything's fine. Now, with all this said, it is worth noting that close friends of Rosetta say that she was not entirely comfortable with all these songs about pleasing your man and, like, you know, looking for a tall, skinny papa. and Looking for you know. Jesus. Yeah. I yeah. 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 Looking for Jesus yeah. on Christmas time. Yeah. At the time, those things were kind of fairly taboo for Christian women. Right. So, according to them, she had signed a contract with M- Lucky Millinder saying that she was to perform whatever he asked her to, including these more risque tunes. Mm -hmm. So it is possible she was out of her comfort zone performing this material. Okay. So for what it's worth, she was a young female in a male-dominated business and was afraid to say no, fearing an end to her career. And arguably the only actual, like, relationship she had with a dude was her marriage, which was not exactly a loving, you know, romantic or close relationship right so she's probably just thinking i just gotta say yes i just gotta go along with it or else i'm gonna lose my opportunity right so this is totally possible but if she was uncomfortable she still performed the hell out of whatever she was given yeah because she's a gd professional yeah she was still able to perform spirituals, so at least there was some like nice middle ground. Uh-huh. But no matter what she was doing, whether it was gospel, whether it was, you know, a song about your man, mm-hmm. she was up there. She was smiling. She was singing her heart out. She had charisma. She had nerve and talent. <laughs> she had the charisma. She did. So good for you. If you were not happy singing those, you still fucking pulled it off. I mean, she's still turning it out, so... Precisely. I mean, she's still pulling in the audiences, I'm sure. Mm. And whoever is behind it making that dough, they can't be mad. They can't. No. She's doing it. Time would pass and everyone would get over the shock of her crossover, finally. The people loved her. To see her feisty, passionate spirit on stage, no matter what she was singing... They found it to be a truly joyful experience. Other popular musicians were clamoring to play with her, like Duke Ellington and Cab Calloway. Her songs were seeing major play on the radio airwaves, especially down in the South. Mm -hmm. Her spirituals actually were pretty popular. And there's actually a pretty popular video of her. Mm. Um, I think I showed it to you like a long ass fucking time ago. And I was like, hey, look at this chick. (laughs) Um, But it's she's performing on like a train station or something. I'll get there. Yeah. This is iconic. That's iconic. That is fucking iconic. Because when you search for her on YouTube, that is what comes up. Mm -hmm. And it is mesmerizing. It is. But we'll get to that. It's. Yeah. Nope. That's exactly who she is. Mm -hmm. You can't help but like listen to her and love her and just want to watch what she's doing. Rosetta was becoming a bona fide star and was influencing other young, budding musicians with her performances. And just some examples include Elvis Presley, (laughs) who was very involved in church choir when he was a child. To hear the way Sister Rosetta Tharp modernized gospel music inspired him to experiment more with rock and expand his musical horizons. 
Johnny Cash would state upon his induction at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that as a child, Sister Rosetta Tharp was his very favorite musician. As it should be. Yep. And actually, Roseanne Cash later on would kind of reaffirm this and say, nah, Dad always listened to Sister Rosetta Tharp. She was always a a sound that they heard in their house. He should have talked about her more. Maybe. (laughs) Why why would he do that? I don't know. I mean, you know what? At least he did. I guess. At least at some at point he, he did. did. You know what? At least like in the induction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the 90s, he's like, <laughs> so like Sister Rosetta Tharp, anybody, anybody, anybody heard of her? No. Crickets? Really? Okay. So you know what? I'm going to give him that credit. Sure. <laughs> Later down the line in the 1940s. Little Richard would sing on stage with Rosetta, and she even paid him for his service. No shit. This was his first time singing publicly outside of church, and that event inspired him to continue onward. There you go. So when you were talking about Little Richard, mm-hmm. that makes sense. It all, I was like, girl, so just he wait, literally, girl, just wait. he literally took what she was doing on stage and incorporated it into his own act. Yes, he okay. was one hundred percent in love and inspired by her, as he should be, and grateful to her because also, she gave him the opportunity that he didn't have before. But also mention her more. He might have. He could have. I do I not. I. I. You know what? I'm not going to malign. Little Richard in this because I do not know how much he right. talked about her. He might have talked about her a lot. So coulda, and the press just ignored it. Yeah, I mean, like for what that it's worth, makes sense to me. Honestly, I'd like to think that, like back in or always, like when I hear a musician reference another one, I'm like, who's this other musician? It's like when Spotify's like, you like this person, you'll probably like this person. I'm like, I do like that person. <laughs> it's just that people weren't that, I think, a, in tune with what was going on. Anyway, yeah, true. Look, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. So let's go back to the early to mid 1940s. Rosetta would leave Lucky Millinder and go back out on the road to perform her standard and classic gospel songs. She was always the headliner. And since she was out on her own accord, she could choose her opening act. From mm. some time, it was with the Dixie Hummingbirds, a gospel group that shared the same enthusiasm that she did making for some highly anticipated and well-attended shows throughout the country. In 44, she recorded one of her biggest hits, Strange Things Happen Every Day with Sammy Price, a boogie-woogie pianist who got his start as a session pianist for Decca and would later go on to head his own bands around the world. Mm -hmm. And that really put her on the map. Mm -hmm. This version of a classic African-American spiritual is considered one of the first rock and roll records. It was also the first to successfully cross over from the gospel into the quote-unquote race records for the Billboard charts. Ah. Race records would later become the R&B chart. Right. Just for anyone who doesn't know. This song also echoed a lot of what was going on in the world at the time. World War II was ending and the future was promised to everyone and it was one of prosperity Except not if you're black. I was just going to say, but not for everybody, especially if you were black and especially if you were black in the South. Yeah. Jackie Robinson may have been signed to the Major League Baseball <laughs> ranks, mean but shit. like he still had to withstand mountains of racism before him. Yep. And the same was happening to Rosetta, a woman who was a star in her own right, but was still kept out of many establishments due to the color of her skin. She was actually an early adopter of a tour bus complete with beds installed. Oh, shit. Some of the people who toured us were like, I had never seen that before. Yeah. This was a pretty, you know, a lot of revolutionary people, concept. A lot of people were still just 
literally touring on school buses. Mm-hmm. Those were the buses you got. You got a seat and you couldn't s- lay down. You couldn't sleep. You couldn't do anything. Oh, the slap away on my district school bus. I got to rent that for $50 this weekend. <laughs> But this was because there were many times when she and her other musicians would be denied room at hotels, so they would have to sleep on the bus whenever that occurred, which was often. Isn't it interesting that that is how the like current version of a tour bus has started, was mm. because black musicians were denied room and board when they were trying to tour the country. Everyone would book them. Everyone would come and see them. Nobody would let them sleep in their own fucking beds mm. in a hotel. Mm-hmm. She was playing for white audiences that adored her, Mm. yet still had to use the back entrance at a venue. Yep. Most dining establishments denied her, so she would have to rely on any white counterparts with her to bring her food when they were done eating. And sometimes a staff person at a restaurant would be, you know, take a chance on them and just like have them go around the back to serve them food. That is infuriating. Yeah. I, I really need people to like picture this. This is like... The 40s, mid to late 40s, Jim Crow. I just want. Still real out there. I just want people to picture a black woman sitting on her own fucking tour bus with beds in it because she can't sleep in a hotel because of segregation. Right. Sitting on a bus, fucking waiting for her white roadies to finish eating so that they can bring her her food in her tour bus because she's not allowed in the restaurant. She didn't have roadies. If this would be like other like p- performers this traveling is what with I mean. her. Yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. Just no, I just like, wanted to even like other even, like, throw it like, out there. It's white like, musicians or crew members or whatever. Yeah. She had to wait for them to be done eating so that they could bring her food back. And sometimes, you know, she wouldn't even have that option, so she would like just keep crackers or something on the bus, maybe some like cheese or some nuts Mm. maybe a little bit of fruit Mm. but not a lot not like real meals yeah homegirl was eating whatever she could it's not like she could go get some hot dogs at 7-eleven at like (laughs) 12 at night or she was just eating like whatever crap people were willing to give her yeah you know okay yeah but that's what continue that is what this time period was Mm. And she was on the upper end of it. Mm. Can you imagine? Mm. Mm. She was a well-respected black woman. Yeah. And still got treated this way. Yeah. Despite all this grotesque segregation, Rosetta just kept doing her thing and spreading the love with every performance. Which must be so difficult to do. I can't imagine. I can't. I fucking can't. Like... Again, more reasons to respect this woman. Yeah. Just thinking about a lot of, like, the very asshole performers that, like, are mad when they're not at a five-star accommodation now. Or just trash a hotel room because they can, because they're yeah. white dudes and they can get away with it. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, it off, it's fine. Manager will fucking take care of it. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Keep going because I'm just going to get, like, I'm just going to make noise. Yeah. <laughs> No, she's just grunting. I'm just going to, like, start communicating in a series of clicks and grunts, and I'm going to be angry about okay. it. Okay. We're going on an upswing. Let's okay. go on an upswing. Okay. okay. Great. Okay. So but she felt blessed to just have the love and support of her mother, the fans, her fellow musicians. She, for what it's worth, overall felt very grateful and happy in her life. Good. In 1946, she would catch a performance of Marie Knight at a Mahalia Jackson concert. 
Marie's contralto voice and skilled piano playing caught Rosetta's ear. She just couldn't shake it and decided to track down Marie and ask if she'd be interested in touring and performing with her. Mm. Marie was on board to work with someone like Rosetta, and together they recorded another big gospel hit, Up Above My Head. This pairing worked out so well for them, as now they had every instrument covered, from piano to vocal to guitar to even percussion, because Marie could do some drumming. No shit. Yep. They didn't have to rely on anybody else but just the two of them. So it was just the two of them doing the just instruments. Just the two of them. But it was. It was just the two of them. Awesome. They shared a lot of similarities, too. Both being members of Kagek, also both married preachers at young ages, and neither marriage lasting all that long. Mm-hmm. And while she hadn't seen the success that Rosetta did, Marie did have a record contract and was putting out songs on Haven Records. Also, another difference was Marie actually had a couple kids, whereas Rosetta did not. Right. Also, another crazy thing about Rosetta is that she didn't have any kids. Yeah. She had been married, but like, no, 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 no fucking kids. kids. She's like, no, not about that. That's awesome. Her music were her kids. Yeah. To many, it was outlandish for two women, especially women of color, to go out touring together. There were no men there to, quote unquote, protect them. But I will say, arguably, it could get dodgy at times. So, like, Uh there's power in numbers. Uh But also some saw it as perhaps a bit, well, gay. (laughs) A bit mm, lesbian, if you will. Because, of course, fucking people. But it could have been never been confirmed by either party themselves. But most close friends to the women said that Marie and Rosetta were an item for some time. Good for them. You know, they were really cute. I went from like, of course, men would say that to good for them. Well, no, here's the thing. If it's not true, fuck you. But if it's true, good for you. If it's not true, like, stop fucking doing that. But if it is true, good for you. Happy for you. Get it, girls. (laughs) And it all kind of makes sense, too, because there was an energy between them that was just indescribable. When you see pictures of them, it's just like... They're just so fucking happy to be around each other. And the music that they created is just so harmonious and it just works so well. Maybe it's just because they found kindred spirits in each other. I think, yeah, like love can develop anywhere. Because honestly, how many times have you and I been mistaken for a lesbian couple? And I'm like, all right. And both of us are like, sure, we are. Okay. Will it get you away from me? Okay, great. (laughs) Honestly, if it gets you away from me, I will get as gay as I need to. That's fine. Ain't gonna bother me none. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying you can't have a platonic relationship with a creative partner. Obviously. Obviously. But beyond that, they shared a closeness that only a few got to see and know about. They Mm -hmm. had to keep it pretty secret. It was the 40s. And well, being gay, kind of considered a big old sin. Being black and gay? Oh, no, you can't do that. Let's throw in some mental illness accusations in there, too. What? Yeah, being gay was in the DSM. Oh, yeah, that was a mental illness until pretty recently. Yeah, yeah, not that long ago. So it was really important for them to never let it get out. But according Mm -hmm. to close friends, they're like, no, they were together. Get it, girl. Yeah, get it, ladies. Yeah. Ladies. Their performances were a hit among crowds. They played off each other so well, usually doing a lot of saint versus sinner bits. 
where Rosetta was the saint and Marie was the sinner and they Ooh. would just like do these dynamic performances and songs together. Mm-hmm. It was really cute. That's nice. It is. <sighs> oh, so in 1950, while touring, Marie would receive tragic news. Oh, no. Her mother and two children had died in a house fire. I'm sorry. Excuse me? Yeah. That yeah. is awful. Yeah. She was on the road, got word, her house burned down, her mom and kids didn't make it. I don't know a lot about it. I need to know details about I this. I have none. Oh, man. That fucking I feel sucks. like Marie was a fairly private person. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of... I, I, if anybody can prove me wrong, please do and point me in the direction. But I couldn't find a ton about Marie herself. That fucking sucks. What... A fucking blow. Yeah, that's a fucking nightmare. It's hard enough to have one or the other, but but to have your mother and your two children. It's tragic. Uh, It was so tragic. I have so many thoughts about that. I know. Okay. And this obviously was an event that changed Marie's life. Mm -hmm. It made her reevaluate a lot of things. And like, kind of around this time, she was apparently already considering going out on her own because she was kind of ready to do her own solo stuff. Uh Uh-huh. So when this happened, it kind of pushed her into complete life change, and she decided to leave um, Rosetta. Mm -hmm. The split was hard for the two women, but they didn't hold any bad blood, and they would continue to be friendly and support each other for the rest of their lives. But this chapter of their musical and romantic partnership was now over. That's sad. I know. I mean, I granted, it sounds like she was kind of thinking about going out on her own anyway so who Mm -hmm. knows if they would have split or who knows if it was like because of the fire but i mean life changes ain't easy right sister rosetta kept on moving forward she was still touring now with backup singers called the rosettes that's adorable it really is cute (laughs) and she was still all about making waves so she decided to have an all-white gospel group called the jordanaires Yes, you do that. Yes. Yes, you do that. I want to see the all-white um, choir back up the black woman. If you watch the PBS special on her, there is one of the Jordanaires was still alive at the time. Oh. And he tells a bunch of the stories. Like, he tells stories about having to bring her sandwiches or whatever from the diner when they were done. Or, like, they would go order doubles of what they were getting so they could bring it back to the bus. Well, also, that is still infuriating. It's infuriating, but like... But also, thank you for doing that. Yeah, right? Like, they were like... But like, they were very much obviously in support of like... Right. Black people and people of color being treated the same. And anti-segregation. Apparently, she used to call them her little white babies. (laughs) And he's like, that was just so sweet. I really liked... I really liked that she was just... We had a great (laughs) relationship and I really love that. It was just really sweet. That's cute. Oh, they were all really good friends. It's adorable. <laughs> and like, you look at that and then you look at the rest of America and you're like, why can't we be this? <laughs> why can't we do this? Why is this so hard, fuck faces? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wasn't going to get mad. <clears throat> Her black audiences were initially unsure what to think of this pairing, but it turned out the Jordanaires were great performers who won over the crowds with their authenticity and very impressive vocals. And just a few years down the line, they would actually end up backing one of the people who idolized Rosetta the most, Elvis. <laughs> no shit. Yep. He was probably super jealous. He was like, you guys, you guys Good. toured with Rosetta? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, she was lovely. And they're probably like, he's probably like, wish I could have been there. 
<laughs> I'm nothing but a hound dog. I'm gonna steal music from black people now. I'm gonna steal their dances too. <laughs> and then it's okay if I do them because I'm a white man. <laughs> I mean, people are still upset. <laughs> it's like a weird. I have a weird Elvis meets George Bush kind of impression. <laughs> hey y'all, Nuc- nuclear family. <laughs> Hound dogs, nuclear family. <laughs> fool me once, won't get fooled again. <laughs> anyway, inside job. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so once again, there was a cultural shift happening and she could feel it. Just touring with gospel tunes was not going to keep her afloat. Mm. An idea was developed to shake things up. Rosetto could hold a concert at Griffith Stadium in D.C., and not only would fans be attending a concert, but before that, they're going to attend Rosetta's wedding to her third husband. Wait, third? Who's the second one? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. And again, I apologize. Like, I watched four documentaries. I mean... I read, like, 20 articles. I could not... Figure out who her second husband is. But but let me say this. A black woman in the early 1900s, early to mid 1900s. Well, mid 1900s. Who is a pioneer of rock and roll music and is largely forgotten to history and especially rock and roll history. You mean to tell me that her life wasn't meticulously documented and every single inch of it wasn't written down somewhere? No fucking way. (laughs) You mean to tell me we don't know everything about her because nobody fucking bothered to document it? No way! Oh my god. You're kidding me. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Okay. I figured, just wanted to clear that up. Sure, sure. Sure. Look, like most things I've said, I've seen are she's been married twice, but right. like okay. a lot of these blog, a lot of blogs are saying this was her third marriage. Sure, okay, let's skip ahead to the third marriage. Or so maybe people are considering Marie as who, a marriage. Who's my dude? Okay, okay, okay. The real kicker, actually, in all of this, mm-hmm. was that homegirl wasn't dating anyone, <laughs> so no one knew who she was gonna marry. But I'm. The buildup is enough. Who Who is it? Who is it? I, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the fact that she didn't fucking have anyone in mind when they set this up. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So this was just for publicity? Yeah. <gasps> I love it. Right? No, I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't. Like, normally I'd be like, oh, wow, f- fucking publicity. No. I like I'm kinda, it. I'm, I love I'm this. I kind of love this. You know it's going to be a wonderful wedding. Oh, Yeah. This is like a fucking Kardashian wedding. Yeah, you're like... All for show, no love at all, and just for likes. But also you're like, but I want to see it. But I want to see it. All right, let's go. I want... I want... This is like... This is a fucking train wreck. Like, I'm going to stretch my... It's not actually a train wreck, but it's like... When you go past a car accident and you just rubbernecking. You're just ghouling a little bit. Like, what's happening? What happened? I want to see what happened. Or when you're someone like me who's like, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. But, like, I still kind of look. then you're, like, like, side-eyeing Stop looking, Maggie. But I want to see it. But I don't want to see it. Right. So it was only several weeks before the wedding that she met Russell Morrison, a guy who was fairly low on the music biz totem pole. 
He offered to not only be her manager, but also to marry her. And she figured, okay, why not? What? What are the steps between just meeting and I'm going to be your manager and husband? Like, what? What? She needed somebody. She needed a warm body. I get it. But like. At least, like, the manager, I think, makes sense. Because it's like, oh, you're in the music biz. And actually, it'll turn out both of these are a nightmare. (laughs) Oh, no. The wedding was massive. Over 25,000 in attendance. (gasps) Oh, my God. This is like Princess Di getting married. It is. Holy shit. Why didn't I get this in my yearbook? I don't know. (laughs) In the colored pages in the back? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Irregardless. Irregardless. So... Here it's this wedding was a trip. People even brought gifts like fine china and a TV set for her. Oh, I mean, TVs were expensive. Fucking seriously. It was a show, but also something of a fairy tale wedding for Rosetta. You know, she had to come out in a beautiful dress, perform for all of her fans. She was playing her guitar on the pitcher's mound of the stadium. Like she was having a great time. It's kind of awesome. Right? Mm hmm. It was nice. It was sweet for her. I feel like you're about to drop the hammer. Well, despite its success and good tidings from all in attendance, some of her friends were a bit concerned about the whole thing, especially since it involved Russell, who a lot of people are like, "Mm, I'm not crazy about this man. I mean, they should be. They're her friends. Right. That's what friends do. When your friend tells you like, "Mm, but think about it. Yeah. Then you should really. Maybe just think about it. Just think about it. Yeah. And quite frankly, they had every right to feel that way. Turns out, Homeboy had no idea what he was doing as a manager and quickly fell out of his depth. Many said he was a two- he was actually two-timing her as well and just living off her money and seeing this marriage as more of a meal ticket than any kind of union. Cool. Yeah. That is upsetting. Yeah. And it, it makes me sad that they couldn't see through that. I mean... Or he's just a really fucking good liar, but couldn't dupe her friends. Yeah. Your friends know. Yeah. His inexperience as a manager would cross Rosetta down the line. At this point in the 50s, white people were becoming very tuned on to gospel music, Mm -hmm. which now had cultivated itself into the very style Rosetta pioneered years before. And for white America, rock and roll was being born. Mm Mm-hmm. So while Rosetta was a pioneer for the sound, the scene was beginning to fill up with the white men she inspired. And because women, especially black women, especially middle-aged black women, were considered too much of the quote-unquote other, Mm -hmm. the white men were getting famous while her star began to dwindle. Mm. And her husband Russell just was not good at his fucking job (laughs) at all. On top of that, Rosetta apparently was not great with her money. Like... She had a tendency to kind of give out money if somebody were to ask her, hey, can you help me out with X, Y, Z? And she'd be like, oh, of course, because that was the kind of person Rosetta was. Yeah. And I mean, people go and take advantage of that. But when you're a poor- And your husband's an asshole. But also when you grow up as a poor farmer in the American South and you don't have a whole lot of money to begin with, once you get money, you're like, yeah, I'm going to help you out because I see that you're in the same situation that I was in, or at least- Seem to be. I would even say that she was doing religion right. 
what you're supposed to do. She was taking the word of God and helping others. Yeah. She took those words to heart that help the the poor, be there for people, love them, shower them with kindness. Like she was doing what most religious people don't. She yeah. was she was acting upon the words that she sang. Yeah. So like we're fucking spec for that. Yeah. Cause not a lot of fucking people do that. Yeah, most religious people are the opposite, but she wasn't. Or they give money to the church, and the church ain't spending that money. Church ain't spending that money right on way. the poor. They're no. they're spending it on their like on helicopters. <laughs> on their helicopters. I'm just saying there are definitely yeah. preachers who have helicopters or thanks their, to their congregation. Or their Cadillacs or, you know, their vacations mm. and a lot of fucking communion wine. By the late fifties, she had moved to Philadelphia with Russell and her mother Katie. Rosetta wasn't sure what her next move would be, but that would change when she was contacted by a big fan of hers in Britain named Chris Barber. Chris was a Dixieland trombonist and wanted her to go on tour with him and his band for a month in England. She agreed, and what was thought to be a sweet little novelty act actually stole the show. Was this the first time she went abroad? Yeah, this is the first time she's going to other countries. And this is like the 50s. 20, 25 years after she started? Well after that. 30 years? Like 30 years after she was really making waves. Mm -hmm. She got on really well with Chris and the rest of his band, and through this, she got exposed to people across the pond, and they got to know her superior guitar skills. Mm. She continued to tour mainly around England and Europe for the next decade. Her most iconic performance, especially of this time, would be the 1964 special on TV for Folk, Blues, and Gospel Caravan. Mm Mm-hmm. It would star American musicians like Sister Rosetta Tharp, Muddy Waters, Otis Spann, and just a handful of other musical prodigies of the time. Mm-hmm. And this performance took place at an abandoned rail station in yes. Manchester, England. Yes. And you can absolutely tell it's an abandoned rail station oh, yeah. in Manchester, oh, England. Yeah. But what I love about it most is that she is dressed... In this, like, coat dress mm-hmm. that is very opulent, mm-hmm. but also very much the style of the, like, American style of yep. that yep, time. Yep, yep. And she's fucking wailing on a guitar, like it's an beautiful. electric fucking guitar. And dressed, and dressed like a woman who is about to go to Sunday church in 1960, whatever it is. And Four. <laughs> in 1964 it's like just imagine your grandma like going to church on a sunday as she does every sunday gets dressed the fuck up but she's wailing on an electric guitar it's amazing and it is a sight to behold and also she is fucking amazing i know and i watched that and i was like who the fuck is this woman? I love her. Also, Maggie, watch this. And I did. It was wonderful. It's amazing. Let me let me really set the scene. Rosetta mm. came in on a horse-drawn carriage. She did. Oh, my God. I forgot. She comes out donning <laughs> this gorgeous long yes. fur coat. Yes. It has become iconic to her persona. Yes. A lot of people, when they recreate images of her, it's with that fucking mm-hmm. coat. She was music royalty, and she wanted to be sure everybody knew it. Yes. 
to watch parts of this special is actually adorably strange because a a bunch of very white British youths are coming into the station on a train, clapping their hands along to some upbeat blues beats. And, like, I feel like these kids should be listening to, like, I don't know, Herman's Hermits. (laughs) (laughs) But Rosetta bridges any gaps real quick. Jumping around the station while jamming out on her guitar like your grandma going to church on Sunday. And singing straight over to the kids on the next platform. Yeah, like, it's kind of funny because she's playing on one platform and then there's the railroads in... You know, between her and the audience and the audience and the audience is going nuts for her because she's just that good. She's She's, like, here you go. She's reaching over with her. She's extremely dynamic. And it's and it draws you in no matter how far away it is. You can be literally two, three train cars away from her and and she's still like, nah, but pay attention to me because I know what I'm doing. And you do. And you do pay attention. Yeah. The energy was high, and there is no doubt that many young British boys saw this performance and proceeded to pick up an electric guitar soon after. Oh, no way. It's been said that the likes of Keith Richards, Jeff Beck, and our good old pal Eric Clapton cited that performance as inspiration for them. They would never say it, though. No, they did. Maybe once. (laughs) Maybe once. A long time ago. Yeah, I doubt Eric Clapton. Never to be heard again. I'm sure Eric Clapton said that, like, maybe in his Derek and the Domino days, but never after. And it would be those men that would soon replace Rosetta on stage. Mm -hmm. Again, the appeal of young white dudes was much more attractive to rock and roll than someone like her, who many still viewed as a novelty. Even men of color were seeing fame beyond the originator. Little Richard and Chuck Berry were taking what she did and turning it to an 11 and everyone was seeing it. Mm -hmm. Yes, they took this music and they got to make it big. Like all of these men got to make music that she made big. Mm -hmm. Though there is one thing to understand here that I will say. Rosetta's songs written around God were not really doing her any favors. As time has passed, many parts of the world have become more secular and really, we want to hear songs about love and loss and more everyday happenings, not really worrying about going to heaven. Yeah. And the subject of pretty much all of Rosetta's songs were it's like God. God and spirituals and Jesus and going to heaven. Even in the 50s, yeah, people weren't really looking to that Mm-mm. so much. They were really looking more towards like what Carol King and her partners were. Yeah. You know, writing about which was love and or like you know. doo wop was hitting up, yeah. and like that's all about your love and your baby and your sugar people. <laughs> your sugar people. I think I was like <laughs> your sugar mama and or daddy, but I just wanted to generalize it to sugar people. Yeah. Sugar humans. Sugar humans. <laughs> so things slowed down for her, but she suffered a big blow in 1968 when her dear mother, Katie Bell, passed away. Oh. Rosetta's mother was her rock for her whole life. This loss changed her life in a way that she was never going to recover from. Yeah. In 1970, Rosetta suffered a stroke that would cause her to slow down on the shows. Yeah. So 1970, she was 55? She was born in 1915? Sure. I didn't math that out. Um, Yes. No. Yes. That's young. It is young. Yeah. 
Her last known recording was prior to that in Copenhagen, where she sang a beautiful but melancholy version of Precious Lord, and I highly suggest people look this up. Hmm. It's very... It's amazingly personal. It's amazingly candid. She's very open and honest with the audience and looks at them and talks to them in just this amazing way where she's like, I'm your friend. You're my friend. We're going to talk. We're having a conversation. It's like that podcast meme with the kid eating the ice cream in front of the picture. (laughs) Like, that's what that fucking performance is. Yeah. And of course, it only gets worse from there. Great. (laughs) She was diagnosed with diabetes, which would significantly mess with her health. Mm -hmm. At one point, a black spot developed on her foot. Oh, no. Which then turned her whole foot black. Oh, no. And by the time she got to a doctor, she needed to have her leg amputated. Crawled in and take care of herself. I will say this, though. Apparently, um, she did have at least one live performance where she didn't have the leg and she was still standing up and they just like found a way to situate her standing shit i know that's sweet i like that (laughs) i'm not surprised either though um wait they had to amputate like her whole leg yeah from what i'm reading it looks like or at least like a good chunk of it wow yeah diabetes is not good look i did want to digress from this because i had noticed a bit of a pattern at least with this year because i did the frankie knuckles episode where he gets diabetes and then i'm doing rosetta where she gets diabetes uh-huh. and some people might be hearing this and think well why didn't she just go to a doctor hey but healthcare wasn't a thing so you know why didn't she take better care of herself so i wanted to do a little research on diabetes especially when it comes to black and poc communities because that's what i'm doing this episode is just really trying to beat into your heads about racism because i'm an asshole but it it doesn't it affect more people of color? It 100% does. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistically. And there are a lot of factors that go are. into that. So I'll get into that. So first of all, Rosetta did not trust doctors. And honestly, black people have a very good reason for not trusting doctors. Mm-hmm. The Tuskegee experiments, anyone? Mm-hmm. I mean, even beyond that, even beyond like gross experimentation, uh, I discovered in my research a lot of studies about diseases are actually usually done with white people, mm-hmm. making it a lot harder for doctors to understand and sympathize with other ethnicities. Yep. Which I didn't even realize. So yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Even though white people have genetic less... differences. No, it's not even genetics. I mean, no, not... no, that was the really interesting thing <laughs> to discover. No, I'm even... just saying like a lot of people think that though. And it's totally a valid thing to think. But it's, it's just that because of the way we've studied things, we have fucked everything up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not genetic differences. It's just that we don't know. We aren't. We are not doing our due diligence, and white people right. don't get affected as much because, again, so type two diabetes is very much an economic issue. Yes, people who grew up in low income households tend to eat more processed and less nutritious foods, making it much more possible to develop health issues when they get older. So think about the fact here that Rosetta was living in a time where she was denied food at restaurants so she had to eat whatever she could find. Grew up during segregation and Jim Crow where even if you got seen by a doctor, it'd be lesser quality care. White people were more experimented on and tested and studied, but they were getting better food, better care, made more money. People of color, black people, they're not. Mm -hmm. And so like... We're studying people who don't need to be studied as badly as another group of people. Or maybe let's just stop being racist, classist pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, so I got to digress from all this because this has nothing really to do. I just like decided to go on a rant. Anyway, (laughs) by 1973, Rosetta's health was rapidly declining. She would tell friends she had every intention of getting back on the road, but everyone could see the writing on the wall. On October 9th, Sister Rosetta Tharp passed away from a stroke at the age of 58. Holy shit. I know. Two strokes in three years? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Her funeral was a modest affair. The church was only half full. But thanks to Marie Knight, she looked amazing. (laughs) Just like back in their touring days, she did her hair and makeup, being sure that her friend looked as beautiful in death as she did in life. That's very sweet. Right? Doesn't that Morbid, like... but sweet. Oh, I mean, it warms my cold, dead heart. No, it warms mine also. Her body was buried in Northwood Cemetery and an unmarked grave because, again, Russell sucked. Real cool marriage going on here. Where was... What, like... Northwood Cemetery is in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. It wasn't until 2009 when Bob Mertz, a Philadelphian writer, saw a biographer named Gail Wald who specializes in Sister Rosetta, speak of her at the unmarked grave. He then set up a benefit concert to pay for a proper headstone. Wait, her grave was unmarked? Yeah. Again. Until 2009? Yeah, because she had a real cool husband. Holy fuck. And no one gave a shit. Oh. Okay. I told you to wait till the end. You used a lot of your anger already, girl. I did. I told you to wait. Mm. So he sets up a benefit, excuse me, Bob Mertz sets up a benefit concert to pay for a proper headstone and people turned out. Finally, they could give her a proper send off with her friend and fellow Rosette, Roxy Moore, writing the epitaph, quote, she would sing until you cried and then she would sing until you danced for joy. She helped to keep the church alive and the saints rejoicing. And so at least she finally got. That acknowledgement, at least she had a good chunk of friends that were still alive that could pay tribute to her. But her fucking husband couldn't just spring for a goddamn headstone. Because her husband's the worst. It's almost like he was with her for the money. Oh my god, no way. What makes Sister Rosetta Tharp truly amazing is her musical talent. Not only does she have an emotional and soulful voice, but so does her guitar. She took an instrument that was just developing its notoriety and revolutionized it. As an atheist, I'm pretty secular about my music, but not sisters. I can listen to her music all day because it's not about the content of the lyrics for me here. It's about the amazing sound she creates. Her guitar playing is more intense than most modern day rockers. The fact that it took us this long to begin to acknowledge her is downright criminal. We should all be arrested. But, like, we're the only ones acknowledging her. I'm just saying I still want to be arrested. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She was not inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until 2018. At least that was the first year she was nominated. Oh, was it? (laughs) Are they not merciful? Real fucking Commodus over here. The mind-blowing thing about this is the fact that she has been name-dropped, actually, by many of the men who have inducted, who have been inducted before her. Mm-hmm. I know, like, we shit on Eric Clapton. We're not impressed with the Rolling Stones. I do like Johnny Cash. He's fine. He can do whatever he wants. I think they have all 100% referenced her. Good. 
And like, but the problem is who the fuck is listening? Exactly. The fucking people up top, they don't give a shit. They're like, whatever, we're having a good show. Like who, who is listening to them name drop her and being like, oh yeah, I should research this woman. Yeah. No, they're not because they hear Sister Rosetta Thorpe and they automatically think she's probably a black woman. Or a nun. Or, or whatever. Whatever. I don't give a fucking shit. I haven't heard of her before. Let's move on to these other people that I have heard of before. I do want to shout out Gail Wald, the biographer. Mm-hmm. She was in a lot of the documentaries, um, read some of her articles. She has a book out about Rosetta, Sister Rosetta. She really, like, she learned about her in the early 90s. I guess, I think, I think she said in a class where they started, like, a, a college course where they talked about her a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's like, who's this woman? Mm-hmm. And she did a lot to try to, like, bring her out into the light. Mm -hmm. So I got to give her some fucking cred on that one. Because she's been doing this. She's been doing Rosetta's work for, like, 30 years at this Mm -hmm. point. Without Sister Rosetta Tharp, there would be no Little Richard. Then there would be no Paul McCartney. Then there would be no Beatles. Mm -hmm. Then there would be no most pretty much every fucking band to ever exist at this point. Because I don't know how many times on this show we've said... Quote, everything's changed for this person once they saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. How many fucking times have we said this on the show? So many times. And we're going to talk about it again. Yes. So the fact of the matter is that if Sister Rosetta Tharp didn't exist. Nobody else Nirvana would. wouldn't exist. Yeah. Led Zeppelin wouldn't exist. Like, I'm fucking sorry, but I'm also not fucking sorry. Fleetwood Mac would not exist. And oh, how much no. should we talk about Fleetwood Mac? Uh, more than we probably should have. Yeah. Except not Stevie <laughs> Nicks. Yeah. This woman is no godmother. She is the patron saint of rock and roll. The one who birthed music as we know it was a queer black woman. And we need to respect that. Yeah. Fight me. This (laughs) is where I'm ready to fight people. I told you to wait till the end. Now I'm angry. (laughs) Because this woman fucking birthed all those fucking men. Yep. Every fucking thing of music that we like now would not have existed without her. And most fucking people don't even may have heard of her, but like don't really know or have not heard of her. And also what fucking kills me is that not only was she not only was she a major influence to all of these white men that have made rock and roll popular, but she was doing rock and roll well before any of them were. And not only that, she was then exploited by more men who wanted to capitalize off of her popularity off of her talent off of everything that she offered and she got the shit end of the stick every single fucking time so you know what i didn't bring up in this episode Ooh, tell me drugs alcohol Mm -hmm. like murder abuse Mm. she didn't do anything evil at least nothing that has been documented i mean she didn't have like just piles of cocaine no she was not a heroin addict on the tour bus that she was forced to sit on because segregation didn't allow her into any of the restaurants not an alcoholic Mm -hmm. she didn't abuse marie knight Mm -hmm. she seemed to be in general a good kind honest clean human being Mm -hmm. who fucking created rock and roll meanwhile we get to celebrate these fucking drug abusing 
bullshit, blame all my problems and alcohol, Wife sexual beating. abusers. Wife beaters. And but hair- their music's so good, Ashley. Yeah. They're such a good guitarist. Who cares if he slaps Stevie Nicks? <laughs> I will always bring up Lindsey Buckingham. So that's that's why I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Because this woman, I'm so sick of hearing her being called the godmother of rock and roll. She's not the fucking godmother. She's your fucking mama. <laughs> You're sucking on a tit right now. Fucking rock and rollers. Acknowledge it. And be grateful. Yeah. Because without her, this wouldn't exist. Yeah. We wouldn't exist. We would not be a podcast. Yeah. You wouldn't we- have to hear our dumb voices for this fucking long. <laughs> Just raging over the fucking patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here. I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Nah. No. <laughs> so do yourself as a favor. Go to whatever you listen to music on, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, whatever. Listen to Sister Rosetta Tharp. Watch videos. She's at the so very amazing. least just fucking search for her in YouTube and find those train station performances because they are mwah, gold. Oh, she's amazing. She's an amazing artist to watch. Yeah, she is. And you're going to watch it and you're like, oh, I see where every musician <laughs> came from now. Right. You can literally pick out all of the little intricacies of her performances, of her singing style, of her guitar style, of her performances. Like, oh, yeah, that's where Mick Jagger got that from. Oh, yeah, that's where Keith Richards got that from. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this is where this uh, Eric yeah. Clapton got this from. I, okay, I understand all of this yeah. now. And even they might not even know that that's where they got it from because they're fucking dudes, we're classic ve- rock dudes you know that don't even think about that they're stuff. They're all very old and in need of care now. <laughs> Right. Like, I'm not going to besmirch them for not knowing things They anymore. are in the elderly geriatric category, uh, category at this point, you know which what? is also kind of sad to think about. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of are. And like, this is what they this is what they were influenced by. Yeah. And it it very much upsets me that like, you know, it, like, it's great that Little Richard is getting, you know, the accolades and like all the people of his generation are getting the accolades that mm-hmm. they do deserve. But we also need to recognize the black women that also fucking pioneered this shit and influence all of them. The queer black women. The queer black women who influenced all of them. Yeah. And who have been so tragically lost to history that it like it literally fucking hurts my soul and are still disgustingly marginalized today <laughs> so to a ridiculous degree i yeah. guess i guess if anything if you can get anything from this just open your goddamn mind yeah that's it just open your mind a little bit and right now we are at a point where we are coming to like this kind of reckoning point where it's like yeah we have marginalized all of these people so much and we shouldn't have yeah and it really upsets me that black women and especially black queer women are the last people to get the recognition Mm. despite the astronomical amount of work that they have done to pioneer an entire genre for a community that couldn't even exist back then because they would have been literally arrested. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's fucked, man. I can't. I can't even articulate it. 
Like, I don't even know how to, I, I don't even know how to process this. Well. Because it's like, it's so unbelievably upsetting that we're, that people are not talking about women like Sister Rosetta Tharp. So to end it on a positive, mm-hmm. be more like Sister Rosetta Tharp. Absolutely. You know what? She didn't let it get her down. She didn't stop because of discrimination. She didn't stop because people told her she couldn't do things. She also didn't stop believing in God, even though she was part of a church that probably condemned people who were of her sexuality, yeah. of her color, of everything. She she was herself. She was true to herself and till the end. She didn't give a fuck yeah and that's what i love about it yeah she did not give a fuck she still did whatever she wanted to do mm-hmm. she was herself so you know what if there's anything you can take away from this just be more like her mm-hmm. but like in a good way like be a good person <laughs> be a good person be yourself yeah don't let people stop you from living your fucking dreams but also don't hurt nobody and also surround yourself and don't with- do heroin she didn't but also surround yourself with people that will support you and your lifestyle and mm-hmm. who you are as a person. That's also, all I give a shit about. <laughs> listen to your friends when they're like, but maybe not this person. But also don't marry this guy because he's probably a piece of shit. <laughs> if your friends say that, listen to him. No, no about this. No, it's fine. Mm, I don't think it is. This guy is um, a sociopath and taking advantage of you. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> They're probably right. <laughs> They're probably right. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're ending it. We're done. We're We've done gone ranting. for a long okay. time. Thank you all so much for listening. I truly mean it. Like, when I got to the end of my research, this is my favorite episode that I've done. Just in the sense that I feel like this is the fucking, this is the apex. This, this is kind is... of the culmination of every artist we have ever done who has been slighted or tossed away because of their race or their sexuality or their gender identity or something and it's just this is where our music came from everyone yeah look kids this is where your music came from respect your fucking elders Mm. just just please and that's that's all i got so thank you all for listening really appreciate it love you and appreciate you (laughs) and we have Actually, like, I think a decent amount of episodes on our website about Uh other marginalized groups that nobody fucking respects. I mean, from Nina Simone to death to bad brains. Yeah. We have, you know, a lot of people of color who have been overlooked for their incredible contributions to music. So please, please either you don't have to listen. If you don't like our dumb voices, I get it. Go ahead. Don't listen to them. But at least listen to the music. Yeah. And maybe do a Wikipedia research real quick. That's the least you can do. <laughs> least you can do is go to Wikipedia. But you can also go to our Facey books. You can go to our Instagrams. You can go to our Twitters. Twitters. You, you can see pictures and we'll probably post a bunch of shit about uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp this week. Probably a bunch of videos and yeah, just probably. random stuff because like, we really want to push her this week. Yeah. She needs it. She I completely it. agree. Yeah. Um, you can also find our merch that's on Tee Public. Mm-hmm. We got shirts and swag and bags and cell phone case covers. All that shit you got really butt don't pl- need. Got a butt but plug. you really want a butt plug? We do not have a butt plug. Oh. I lied. But did anyone get excited about that? Would you like a butt plug? <laughs> if we sold that, would you buy it? <laughs> Take it a survey. <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine. And if I got anything wrong or if you have any suggestions or any cool stories you want to send to us, just hit up our email. That'd be cool, too. Yeah. Contact yeah. us at rockcandypodcast.com. Yeah. Do it. 
do it. Thanks. And so next week we have a story. Long time coming. Long time coming and story. And I am very excited about it. Oh, I'm excited too. It's, I am like thoroughly excited to have somebody that like I am, I'm I'm not angry at. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying really hard right now, everyone, to do episodes on artists. We're like, I like you. You're a good person. Yeah, like. We're gonna do an episode on a genuinely good person. I'm and I so am, excited. I am really excited. Oh my god, two weeks of good people. Oh my god. Dare I say maybe even three weeks of good people. Maybe even like the rest of the year about good people. Oh my god. My oh god. My god. Buckle up, kids. We're doing it. Not to tease, but we might Unhe- have good people. Unheard of at Rock Candy Podcast. <laughs> Look, October was hard. And we might. We might. Maybe. Doubt it, but we could finish out the year with zero days with heroin. Don't think so. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We're going to at least get to mid-December. Before heroin? Before heroin. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, so thank you all for listening. (laughs) Come back next week for more stories. And until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there.